Open up your Bible to the book of Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 through 7. Again, that's Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, verse 1 through 7. When you have that, just say amen with me. Somebody say the faultiness of technology. I know it was a long sentence, but just try to remember what I said. Just say the faultiness of technology. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, that lying devil. <laughs> uh, Exodus chapter 20. Amen. And how many, how many know the Ten Commandments? Amen. We, we, we cite them. Uh, we've read it many times. But I want to focus on a little something tonight that I believe will, will bless your life. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 7, and the word of God reads like this. It says, and God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me, and you shall make, not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath. Or that is in the water underneath. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I the Lord your God am a jealous God. For I the Lord your God am a jealous God. For I the Lord your God am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children. To the third and the fourth generation of those who. Look at the words he uses. Those who hate me. But showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse 7, I finished and it says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What a powerful seven verses. There's still more commandments that go on forth but I want to focus on idolatry tonight and God had been placing this word on my heart for some time I started in Exodus chapter 32 when Moses had come off the mountain the mount of God and when he came off the mount of God, he came off with a brilliant face. His face was shining. He had brought down the tablets of God, the commandments of God that were written with the finger of God. Come on, somebody. That's remarkable in, in itself. Written with the finger of God, the words of God with the finger of God. And he finds the people of God worshiping a calf, a golden calf. Coming back down, the servant of Moses said, I hear cries of war. And Moses said, 
Those aren't cries of war. He said, that's not, uh, uh, that's not a cry, a battle cry of winning or losing. That's praise. And what, I want you to just know this because God is a jealous God. And God does not share his glory with another. He's an all-consuming fire. But he is a jealous God. I want to just ask you the question tonight, and that is, what is in your life that God is jealous of? What are you holding to that God is jealous of in your life? And he says here, you shall not make for yourselves carved images or any likeness of that is in the earth beneath or that is of the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. If you go with me to the book of Exodus now, you go 11 chapters over to Exodus chapter 32, you'll catch up with me on that story of the golden calf and the people of Israel. And the Bible says, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, note that Moses was on the mountain hearing from the Lord, getting the commandments, the law of God. Why? Because God was about to establish his people. And not only that, he was about to establish the rules, ethics. And, and just look at this, the detail of the temple that was to come. How many know that when God does something, he does it in order? He doesn't do it in disorder. My God's not a God of disorder. Amen. And so God was giving Moses on the mountain all of the instructions as how to prepare the temple of God, his, his temple. Everything from the servants that were going to serve, the detail of how the inches and the square feet of the temple. He was uh, explaining even, you know, the attitudes and the characters and the way, the demeanors that we ought to carry ourselves in the temple. All of these details he was giving to Moses while the people were not waiting on God to bring back that direction for what was lying ahead. And instead, they began to carve images for themselves. And not only that, they began to get their earrings off and take it off. But look what it says. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered together amongst themselves to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, what an insult. The man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron, and he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. Now, later on, obviously, we know that uh, Aaron made the excuse that when he threw the gold in the fire, that's what came out. But I'll tell you something, when you're not functioning in a life that's submitted to God, you can blame it on the devil as much as you want. But when you're not living a life that's submitted to God, 
You'll always fashion calves, golden calves out of your hands. And then you'll say, but the devil did it. No, he used your hands to fashion the golden calf. Amen. And so later on, you know, Aaron says, but, you know, that I threw, I just threw the golden and golden calf is what came out. No, you fashioned it. Right. You fashioned it and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel. Who brought you up out of the land of Egypt? And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and bought, brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. I'll get into more detail as to what rose up to play meant. But idolatry, church, is the image of and worship or divine honor paid to any created object. D.L. Moody said it this way. You don't have to go to a heathen's land today to find false gods. America is full of them. And whatever you love more than God is your idol. Whatever you love more than God is your idol. A.B. Simpson said, as long as you want something, anything very much, especially more than you want God, it is an idol to you. I believe it's important to remember, church, that disobedience is the original sin and therefore it encompasses all sin. Disobedience to God. Remember, it wasn't the image that they had made. It was the fact that God had given them instructions. And they blatantly overruled the commandments and the instructions of the Lord. And I'm telling you something. When we do not remain on the counsel of God, we will begin to carve and burn up gold images for ourselves. You might say, Pastor, that I don't know what you're saying about that. When our reliance is not on God, we start to get busy-handed and busy-minded and start to create for ourselves God. When we are not waiting upon the Lord. Now you say, Pastor, how does that work or tie into our relationship with God right now? Well, you can say that I am like Moses. And I am getting word from the Lord. But there is one that's coming back and it's not going to be on my hands, church. It's coming back in the clouds. And that is the word of God coming back. He shall come back and split the clouds open and take back the church, rapture the church. But I want you to just understand this. Will God find you worshiping a golden calf? Or will God find you waiting for his coming? Because the word is coming soon. The word in flesh is coming back Soon, I want to say that again because I pray it steers up everything in your life. Your car doesn't matter anymore. Your house doesn't matter anymore. Your career doesn't matter anymore. Your job doesn't matter anymore. The money in your bank doesn't matter anymore. Joe Biden's stimulus doesn't matter anymore. Your security doesn't matter anymore. Everything you got, your doggy doesn't matter no more. Why? The word is coming back soon. And this is the question you got to ask yourself. Are you, are, are you ready for the coming of the word? Because the 
word is not waiting for you to be ready. The word is going to come back sooner or later. And when Jesus Christ comes back, when the trump of God sounds, come on somebody, bless the name of the Lord tonight. When the trumpet of God sounds, will God find you worshiping a golden calf or will he find you waiting patiently for his coming? The people of Israel, instead of waiting for the word of God to come back off the mountain through the mouth of Moses, they made for themselves idols. And when your reliance and your dependence is not on God, you'll end up carving for yourself idols. When you're not trusting the Lord in this life, somebody say a dark life at times. Somebody say a difficult life at times. Somebody say a life full of hardship. Nothing new under the sun. It is what it is. But if your dependence is not on God until the word comes back, you'll end up, don't tell me you won't, you'll end up carving for yourself images. You'll end up living a life of idolatry. Why? Because the soul longs for a God. Let me just say that again. The soul longs for a God. I don't care what atheist, what unbelieving God, what unbelieving person about God comes before you. The soul longs for God. And guess what? The soul does not testify lies. You know, the atheist will have to stand before God and confess. Confess what? That he denied what his soul told him was real. The message of the gospel will come to every person. And every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We know that. Somebody say, we know that. But look at this. If we're not relying on God, idols is what you're going to make. Idols is what you're going to make. And I believe it is important to remember, again, that disobedience is the original sin. And therefore, it encompasses all sin. In Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. Look what it says here. It says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. What did they do? They claimed to be wise. But they became fools. And what did they do? And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God. For images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to their lust. God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Who is blessed forever? Paul finished it by saying, Amen. Amen? Amen. Paul describes the origin of idolatry here in Romans 1. He said, men forsook God and sank into ignorance and moral corruption. You know, the forms of idolatry described here were what? Fetishism or the worship of trees or rivers, hills, stones, etc. Nature worship, the worship of the sun, moon, and stars. As the supposed powers of nature, mother nature, false, 
Mother Nature. False. How many times do we consider Mother Nature? Well, Mother Nature. Lie out of the pit of hell. There's only one Lord over this universe. It's God. God. You know, that Mother Nature, you know, the teaching of it comes, you know, through a paganistic woman of a God, that type of. The God of uh, fertility. But no, God created the earth with his word, his mouth. He spoke. Amen. And we know that. But paganism came in and taught the worship of the sun, moon, and stars as the supposed powers of nature. But he also talks about hero worship. The worship of deceased ancestors or the heroes that we look up to. In scripture, idolatry is regarded as of heathen origin. And as being brought among the Hebrews through the contact with heathen nations. And I'll just give you a little added thing here. Do you remember Rachel and Jacob? You remember that? That's the first, first segment of idolatry that we see in the Bible. Genesis chapter 39, if I'm correct. Where Jacob works for Rachel. Right? And he, he gets another daughter. But in the end, he was working for it, Rachel. Right? So he was working for Rachel. But Rachel... When Jacob said, I'm taking you out of here because your dad is playing tranzas with us. <laughs> right? So as he prepares to take the daughters out, what does Rachel do? If you read the story, Rachel steals the gods of her father in his room. Takes them out with her. And they leave. And then the father of Rachel sees that his gods are gone off of his Chofania, <laughs> best way that I can put it. Off of his dresser, his gods are gone. His little candles and, you know, the santitos, they're gone. And he starts freaking out. He say, instead of asking, where's my daughter Rachel, he's more worried about his santitos, his shrines. And what does he do? He pursues Jacob and Rachel. And when he gets to them, he finds them. He says, where are the gods that you took? Then he goes on talking about, well, you know, I also came for my daughter, but, you know, I just, I just want to know what you did with the gods. And look at this. The Bible says that Rachel was hearing. And Jacob said, there are no gods. I didn't take nothing from you. He checks one daughter's knapsack and doesn't find it in there. I don't know how she hid it, Rachel hid it, but he checks even Rachel's room and Rachel's knapsack and he doesn't even find it in there. We see the first thing come around where it talks about idolatry in openness. And I'm telling you something, though those carved images and though those little papers that you carry sometimes in your wallet and those, those little lucks of good charm, come on somebody, bless the name of the Lord. Though those things don't have life, there is a demonic presence that is behind it that gives it life. Now I want you to just understand this, those little santitos and those little papers and the little images that you have, we see on the walls at times, they don't got life. They're paper and they're wood carved into the image of a man. But understand this, it is the spirit 
that is behind it that begins to have life in our life and begins to manifest in such a way that God begins to become jealous in our lives. And I want to just say this, your car is not going to save you, but there is a spirit of gluttony in your life. There is, there is a spirit of wanting more. There is a spirit of pride and a spirit of arrogance that all of a sudden becomes alive with idols, with idolatry. And I'm telling you something, the church cannot thrive if we continue to hold on to idols. Naked we came, naked we will go. We will go back to our creator just as dust. We will return back to the earth. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Although we don't see in most plain openness the idolatry of the pagan nations of then today, the spirit of idolatry is still very much alive in the lives of people. And many times it's alive in the people of God. We many times associate idolatry with those little human figures the saints people put around their houses and the candles with their images and the rosaries. But it is anything that has taken the place of God in your life. It's much more. Than those little santitos is way much more than that. It can be your job. Your idol can be your money. Your idol can be the material things, your shoes, your clothes. Your idol can be your self-image. Your, your idol can be sports. Your idol can be the TV. Your idol can be the gym. Your idol can be people, heroes, etc. But again, anything and anyone that is wanted more than God is an idol in your life. And you got to get rid of it if you're going to thrive with your relationship in Jesus. I want to talk to you about the truths of idolatry. And number one is this. Write this down. Idolatry. Number one. Idolatry is the fruit of a life that does not have their dependence and expectation on God. Again. Idolatry is the fruit of a life that does not have their dependence and expectation on God. And look at 32.1 of this one. Uh, Exodus says, it says, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has been become of him. They lost faith. They forgot. They said, maybe Moses got killed. I don't know. Maybe he got eaten by a mountain lion. <laughs> I really don't know. But they knew something, that God had used him to take them out of the land of Egypt. They recognized him, that God had used him, and that he was a leader to take them out of the land of Egypt. And I will just say this. Our expectation should not be on man, and our dependence should not be on man. Whether Moses came back or not, it was to teach them that their dependence and expectation needed to be on God. Because Moses was not coming back to deliver his own word. They knew that Moses was going to deliver God's word. They knew that Moses went to go and bring back the presence of God. They knew that Moses was consecrating himself with the Lord so that Moses would bring back the mysteries of God. Not only that, the order of God. For the temple. I, wanna, I want you to just understand this. Don't put your eyes on man. Don't wait for man to come back. Your eyes need to be on God. Your eyes need to be on the creator, not on the creation. Your eyes need to be not on the one that carries the oracles of God, but he who is the oracles. 
Come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord. And, and when our dependence and our expectation is not on God, we end up making carved images for ourselves. We end up burning our gold and making golden calves. Go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10, verses 6 through 22. Now, I won't read all of them. I know you want me to. <laughs> but I'll leave that to you. So you're going to say, I didn't do all the work for you. You can go home and study it. Again, that's First Corinthians chapter 10, verses 6 through 22. And it goes... Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were as it is written. Look at how he recounts. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened. Why did they happen? To them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of ages has come. Therefore, let not anyone who thinks that he stands. Look at the verse. You remember that verse? Let not him that thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. What is he talking about? He's talking about idolatry. Look at the problem in the church, the early church. Look at the problem in the early church. He's, he's saying, you know, if you think you're, you're firm, you're standing firm, beware lest you fall. But he wasn't talking about the things we preach on all the time. He was talking about a major problem in the early church, and that was idolatry. They still wanted to hold on to their idolatry from their old way, paganistic way of living life. And I want to just tell you something. That is why it is so important to come to the Lord and ask for regeneration, rebirthing of God. Why? Because there are some things in our lives that we're trying to bring from Egypt that we learn that God is trying to set us free from. And the reason why we still have fear, this, the reason why we still have uh, you know that feeling of oppression in our life or maybe that feeling of addiction or maybe that feeling of hate or maybe that feeling of anger whatever the case may be of anxiety it is because there are certain things that we are still idolizing in our lives maybe it's just indulging in some things and you're struggling you're struggling and, and you're saying man I just want it God is saying look all of that I can end that in all in your life all of those things I can end those things if you just start understanding that the major issue issue that the Christian has it's not that they don't pray enough it's not that they don't fast enough it's not that they don't read enough it's the fact that they don't want to let go of their idols they don't want to let go of the things they brought from the other side of the river they don't want to let go of the things that mom and dad taught them they don't want to let go of the things they learned they don't want to let go of the ways that the enemy has has held them captive in their lives and I'm telling you something God wants to set you free God wants to set you free of in your mind God wants to set you free in your heart you don't got to live oppressed that way you don't got to live depressed that way you don't got to live in that anxiety but God is saying you got to know that your dependence and that your expectation needs to be on God no temptation look at it goes on saying no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man 
He's still talking about idolatry, church. He's still talking about idolatry. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted. Look at this. It puts into perspective when you look at Exodus chapter 32, and you begin to read these verses. It starts showing us what God was really telling us in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 13. About Exodus chapter 32, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and will not let you to be, temp be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. What is he talking about here? What God is saying, look, the people of Israel were being tempted because they didn't see the man of God before them. And they were being tempted to go back to their idolater ways. They were being tempted to mold and fashion for themselves idolatry, idols once again. Fashion for themselves to the image of man. Fashion for themselves gods. And I'm telling you something, when your dependence and your reliance and your expectation is not on God, you will not pass the temptation. And every single Christian that is in this place will go through that temptation. You will be tempted to go back and rely again on the world. You will be tempted to go back and rely on the substance of the world. You will be tempted to go back and rely on the material things of the world. You will be tempted to go back and rely on the people of the world. But my trust is not in chariots. It is not in the horses. My my trust is in Almighty God. Come on, somebody. Bless the name of the Lord. Let the Lord, let the world crumble. Let its structure crumble. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but God's word remains forever. Come on, somebody. Bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. My trust is in the Lord. My trust is in the Lord. My trust is in the Lord. My trust is in the Lord because the devil is cunning. He knows how to get the people of God. It was all of a sudden for a moment you don't feel something. You feel dry in your spirit. You feel like God is up in the mountain trying to bring you back a revelation and all of a sudden you start getting antsy. Well, where's God? You know, I haven't cried in a couple of days and I, I haven't felt, a, you know, he hasn't prayed for me, you know. He hasn't put his hand on me. No. We start getting antsy and we want to go back to the world. As if the world has anything to offer. No, you sit, you're behind down. Wait on God. Wait for his presence. He's coming. He's surely coming. He will not forsake you. You will be able to endure it. Trust God. If you ever come in here on a Sunday morning and you say, I didn't feel nothing today. Don't you run from God. You sit down. You wait for God to come. You wait for his presence to come. We don't preach this. Why? Because we say, if you don't feel it, leave. Don't you leave. You trust God. God has you there for a reason. There's a reason why the presence of Moses hasn't come off the mountain yet. There's a reason why the, the Moses in your life, that feeling of the presence of God, there's a reason why it's still up on the mountain. And God wants to see, are you relying on the emotion of the presence or are you relying on the truth of the presence? Because persecutions are coming. Hardship is coming. And I'm not talking about somebody just, you know, cutting you off on the highway. No, no, no. Greater persecutions. Greater persecutions are coming to the church. And God's going to really uh, remove the shaft from the wheat. God's going to really remove the shaft from the wheat. Those who are true and those who are fake. Those who are emotionful and those who are uh, full of the truth of God's word. You will be able to stand the test of time when you trust that God is coming back. 
Let me tell you something. The deceiver will come in the last days and say, see, God has not come back. And there you will. You, you'll have a, option, a choice to make. Will I choose to trust God? Or will my flesh begin to give in and say, God hasn't come back. And then once you make your decisions, the clouds split open. Don't you be caught making a golden calf. Because the word is coming back. Man. The word is coming back. And he's coming back to establish his throne. He's coming back to establish the throne of God on the earth. The rapture is not about who stays. I mean, who goes? The rapture is about who stays. It's removing the shaft from the wheat, the good from the bad. And at that very moment, there will be a, a second opportunity of mercy, but it will not be that of mercy of what God had given us when grace was present, when His Holy Spirit dwelt on the earth. We will have to die as martyrs for the glory of God, for salvation to be ours. Just hear the intensity of this. You and your loved ones stay. And Jesus raptures the church. You and your loved ones stay. The mark will be forced on you at all measure. It will not be like, well, you don't want it. It's all right. No. You got to take it or die. Because the devil's not playing. He wants soldiers at the day of judgment. Church, he wants soldiers at the day of judgment. He don't want no halfway people. He likes you halfway right now. <laughs> he likes you halfway right now. But when Jesus Christ comes back and your heart drops and you stay, he's not going to accept halfway no more. He's going to want you all in. He's going to want you all in. And there you're going to say, well, I thought we were friends. We ain't friends. Hey, I sold drugs for you in the... Thank you. Thank you. Now make a choice. What do you mean make a choice? You've just seen the glory of God just come down. Now I believe it's too late now. Make a choice. Make the choice. We got to be sold out for God now. Waiting for His coming. A church waiting for the coming. A bride waiting for the groom. Without blemish and without spot. Yes, amen. Without blemish and without spot. But our hearts expecting the coming of God. I don't care how much you fall. Listen to me. I don't care how much you fall. I don't care how much you fail. I don't care how much you mess up. You stay seated. You get right back up because you know that Jesus Christ is coming back. I'm not here to cast the stone. I'm not here to say that you're going to hell. What I'm saying is if you know the truth and what is the truth? Jesus Christ is coming back. I don't care what your sin looks like. I don't care what your rebellion looks like. I don't care what your downfall looks like. You get back up. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to the people that say you're not worthy. Don't listen to the people that say you'll never change. You do all that you can. Get on your knees once again. Cry out for his forgiveness. Cry out for his mercy. Cry out for his love. There is, there is hope just as long as there's breath in your lungs. Just as long as your heart is beating, there's hope in Jesus. Don't you give up because you feel like you got to be perfect. I'll put it like this. For the love of God, repent. 
for the love of God. Don't do it for people. For the love of God, repent. Because your man is not going to save you. When your reliance is not on God, you'll start putting man before you and you'll start putting carved images before you. For the love of God, return your heart to God. Rid yourself of the world. Rid yourself of these idols. And put your reliance upon God. Put your reliance upon God. So idolatry is the fruit of a life that does not have their dependence and expectation on God. Number two, idolatry impoverishes the life that God can bless. I'll put it in simpler terms. Uh, uh, idolatry makes poor the life that God can bless. You become poor living in idolatry. You remember the, the girl that was running after Paul and, and Silas? And Paul turned around and cast out the spirit in her because she had the, 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 the spirit of divination. And she made, the Bible says, and she made much money for her masters. I'll tell you something, the devil can bless too. The devil can bless too. And you'll have you like a slave. You'll look rich, but you're, in reality, you're poor. Because the moment you cut ties with the devil, he takes everything. And then we start crying, God, I came to you, look, I don't got nothing. Because everything you had, I didn't give to you. Don't get mad. It's better for you to say, let the devil take it. Take it back. I don't need it. God will give it to me. There you are trying to pray to keep something that the devil gave you. I would rather take it back to the lot. <laughs> take it back. I don't want it. If I'm going to have something in my life, God has to give it to me. God has to give it to me. And I don't want it free. I want to pay a price for it. I want to pay a price for that. Don't give me nothing. Don't give me handouts. I want to pay a price for what God's going to give me in my life. I want to pay a price. And I'll tell you something. The life that has idolatry is impoverished. But God wants to bless the life. Idolatry impoverishes the life that God wants to bless. And look at Exodus chapter 32, same chapter, verses uh, uh, 2 through 4. Read with me. Look at this. Verses 2 through 4. It says, so Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. <laughs> Idolatry impoverishes the life that God can bless. And I'm going to tell you why. Because here they gave up all their gold. Now, just understand this. If you jump with me to Exodus 35, three chapters later. Let me say three chapters later. What did God want to use their gold for? Anybody know? What God wanted to use 
the gold of the people? Mm, for the tabernacle, for the temple. Amen. Look at this. Chapter 35, verse 4. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Right? Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, and bronze. Blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linens. Goat's hair, tanned rams. Now, some of you are saying, man, that's some weird stuff. But worth some great things. So if you've got some goat's hair, please bring it over here my way. <laughs> but he said, goat's hair, tanned rams, skins, and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and the onyx stones, and stones for setting, for the ephod, and for the breastpiece. Let every skillful, now he goes from what you got to now what you can do. He said, now to all the skillful craftsmen among you, make all that the Lord has commanded. If you ain't got nothing to give, you yourself can become something given. And when you ain't giving it to God, you're giving it to idols. If you're not giving your life and everything you got to God, you're giving it to idols. You're giving it to idols. He said, make all the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tents, and its covering, its hooks, and its frames, its bars, its pillars, and its bases. Goes on. The ark with its poles, the mercy seat, and the veil of the screen, the table with its poles and its utensils, the bread of the presence, and the lampstand also for the light with its utensils and its lamps, and the oil for the light, and the altar of incense with its poles, and the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, and the screen for the door at the door of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offerings with its grating of bronze, its poles, and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hanging of the court, its pillars stand the hanging of the court its pillars and its bases and the screen for the gate of the court the pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords they fi the finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons for the service as the priest now look what verse 20 says then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses and they came everyone whose heart steered him Everyone whose heart steered him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and all of its service and for the holy garments. But how many give their livelihood? How many give their time? How many give their bodies to idols and to the world? And when God says, give me something, you ain't got nothing to give. You don't bring nothing to his presence. You don't bring no time to him. You don't bring your body to him. You can't even give him your hands. My hands hurt. I can't clap. My, my head hurts. I can't sing. We get all conscious. I'm tired. You know, I can't go to church. I, you know, I'm tired today. No, no, I rebuke the devil. If you're going to ever hear come out of my mouth today it is this God deserves the best if you ain't giving it all to God you're giving it to idols if you're not offering it all unto the Lord it's going somewhere this is the way that we got to look everything you got belongs to God and if, if all of it is not going to God some of it's going to idols 
Boy, when I put it in that perspective, we start trembling. Man, where am I? I'm putting, I'm, man, I, I, sent, I sent out time over here. And I said, yeah, when Facebook, you get on Facebook, you're not giving it to God. You're not giving it to God. It's good to get together, you know, with friends. But if it's not, if it's not a God topic, if it's not building each other up in the faith, it's idols right there. That's idolatry. Because you're getting together for no reason. It has to be befitting to the kingdom of God. Everything you do needs to be befitting to the kingdom of God. Let me tell you something. These people begin to take off their earrings. They go, hey, what happened to my earrings? <laughs> I believe that some of them said, well, hey, hey, honey, I, what, what happened to those gold earrings that I, I had? Well, don't you remember, honey, you took them off to make the golden calf three chapters ago. You know when we start to feel the most guilty? When we want to give and we ain't got nothing to give because we gave it to the world. <laughs> Come on. That, that's when we start to feel the most pressure in our life. That's when we start to feel the most conviction. When we say, I want to give. I want to. Oh, man, I gave it to the calf. And I gave it to the golden calf. I don't know where you're giving it to. But don't put it in a machine at Table Mountain. If you're going to waste away your money, put it to the kingdom of God. Put it to work. Well, you know, I already gave my time. Well, buy Bibles then. I don't know how, I can, I don't know how else to say it. Well, I already gave enough. For, okay, you gave enough. Well, put it to God's use. I, yeah, buy a suit. Put your tie on a Sunday morning. I mean, de dedicate it to the Lord. You want what's in your life to be blessed? It's simple. Just dedicate it to the Lord. And look, I believe that they were saying, I want to give, but I can't because I gave some away three chapters ago when we made the golden calf. Understand this. If you would just wait patiently upon the Lord, you'd see everything that you have in your life to be found to good use in God. Just understand this. And, and Pastor David mentioned this the other day. He said, look, everything that you, he said this Sunday at our, our meeting for our difference makers, he said, look, in the world, you might have learned some things, but look at this. God was always in charge. And, and see, we, these things, we got to dedicate them to the Lord. If you learned how to be a good worker in the world, why are we poor workers for Christ? If we're on time to, on time to our job, why are we late to church? I'll, I'll get even deeper. Come on, somebody. Bless the name of the Lord. Is that all right? Is it okay if I touch those areas? How, how can we give the world better than we give God? How can we offer up to the world better to the carved images and to the idols of the world? How can we give ourselves better to the world than we could ever give ourselves to God when he paid on the cross for us, when he died for our sins, when he died for your misery, when he died for you and everything about your life that was going to hell? How could we ever offer God any less when he gave us all? Idolatry will make you poor. It will make you poor. Instead of it being used for God to receive the glory, they gave it away for idols. 
Don't you allow what you have in your life to be used for idols. Be careful how you spend your money. Be careful how you spend your time. Because if it ain't going to God, it's going somewhere. It's going somewhere. No, Lord, I don't want to go there, Lord. <laughs> you know what? I'm just putting it like this. I thank God that this house, say amen. I thank God that this building here is not used for a baile on Sundays, on Saturdays. <laughs> some of you will kind of catch it. And some of you are like, what? But I thank God that this church is not used for violence on Saturdays. This is a church set apart for the glory of God. If God does not share his glory with nobody, neither does the devil share his glory with nobody. No. <laughs> the devil wants you all to himself. And if you go on saying... If you go on in, in that chapter, and I'm, I'm coming to a close, I promise you. Oh, Pastor, you get another verse. Yeah, Pastor. <laughs> hey, I'm getting somewhere. I promise, church. I, I promise. Okay, look, 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 look. Therefore, my beloved, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You, the, that chapter 10 is a powerful chapter. But look what it says. Therefore, my beloved, verse 14, flee from idolatry. Right? And he says, I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Don't you offer that same cup to the world? Is it not set apart for the blood of Christ? Is it not set apart for the blood of Christ? Because if it's not set apart wholly for the blood of Christ, oh, you're sharing it. And look at this. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in, in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, right? We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices, participants in the altar. What do I imply then? Look what he says, that food offered to idols is anything or that any idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. Let's just get deeper because he goes, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot uh, partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Will you be able to outlive the jealousy of God? You will not get away with it. If it's not all God's, you will not get away with it. Let's back up here too. More grace. Somebody say more grace. But I finished by saying, idolatry, mijo, if you can come up. Idolatry is always accompanied by immorality. Always. Exodus 32, 5 through 6. Nice and low, meal, nice and soft. Exodus chapter 32, 5 and 6. Look what it says. It says, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. 
And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink up, drink and rose up to play. Now, I, I will say this. Eleven chapters before this, in Exodus chapter 21, I mean, Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, he says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing steadfast love to thousands, look at this, of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now look at this. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And I want to just say this. They had took the name of the Lord in vain. Well, we can say that Aaron did. He had taken the Lord's name in vain. How did he do that? He said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And it wasn't a feast to the Lord. When you say, well, kind of explain to me what taking the Lord's name in vain is. It's kind of like giving honor to God. But you're not talking about God. That's the best way that I can put it. You're giving honor, you're paying homage to God by using His name, but you're not using it in reference to Him. You're using it in reference to something else. And He was saying, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drank and rose up to play. Now, I want to say this. Idolatry's motive is to get one to forfeit standard always. My question for you tonight is, where is the struggle of idolatry in your life? Because sooner or later, idolatry always is always accompanied by immorality. Idolatry is always accompanied by immorality. Because the Bible says here that they drank, ate, drank, and rose up to play. Now, just let me em emphasize on this. The word play, in some meanings, it would mean to laugh. But here in this meaning, the word play is implicated as sexual immorality. And they rose up to play. Now look at what Romans chapter 1 verses 26 declares. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 says, it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And then you go with me to the verses 26. It says, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another, 
men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. Look at this. For the wages of sin is death. Amen. For the wages of sin is death. Look what 32 says. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. They give practice, give approval for those who practice them. And I will say this, when idolatry is in your life, immorality follows right after. When you give way to idolatry, immorality starts to step into play. And you say, Pastor, well, you know, I'm not going to get into sexual immorality, but you might still. And we say, I might not steal, but you might lie. Well, lying is kind of not like as bad as. Sin is sin. God sees it all disgustingly. That is why the murderer is at the same judgment seat as the one that stole the candy bar. You're not understanding what I'm saying because some of you think you're better than what you say. I'm good. God's like, no, you're filthy rags. You praise me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And, and you know, it just, when you, when you, when you go through this teaching here and, and you start reading on these, these verses and you start to focus on God's commandment there, it starts to make you wonder on what is, what is the meaning of everything we have in our life. It's, it's really pointless, really pointless. But God gives us our life to have fulfillment and enjoyment. But it's a problem when it becomes your God. Sister Alicia was, was mentioned, and if it's okay in my eyes, you say, oh, pastor, pastor. <laughs> she goes, pastor, you know, I never miss the 49ers game on Sunday. <laughs> and Raul was like, I wanted to go to church, pastor. She didn't let me. She was like, no. <laughs> Andaba también, hermano Raúl, también, que 49ers. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I see every now and then how, and I, I thank God for that. It's touching to me. It's, it's, uh, it's, it touches me in my spirit. 
when I can see people say, I once gave myself wholly to this and then God became everything of my life and now it doesn't faze me if I catch it or if I get to enjoy it or if I get the opportunity. Can I just say something that will mark, I pray it marks the rest of your life. God can take up your whole life if you allow him. God is not like, I'm tired of you, please go watch a football game, you know, go. If God can have you every day, every minute, every second, <laughs> boy, God would say, man, it, I, I don't want nothing else but the praises of my people. I don't want nothing else but my people. God is never tired of us. There's never not a moment where God is saying, he came to church again today, oh, man. There's never not a moment where God is saying, He's praying again. Oh my God. Again, you're calling my phone. <laughs> We're the ones that say, I don't want to call God today. I don't want to pray today. I don't want to read today. I don't want to spend time in God's presence. Oh, I got something else. Oh, I got this to do. Oh, I got that. We got excuses as to how God never has our full heart. But God is willing to receive us every day, every minute, every second. He's never tired of us. He's never drawn out from us. He's never uh, over-fulfilled with us. God wants us. God wants the praises of His people. He desires us in wholeness just as He gave us wholeness. Come on, somebody. Bless the name of the Lord. Stand to your feet right now and just raise your hand and just begin to praise Him. In the fullness of His glory right now, just begin to praise Him. Just praise Him right now. Give Him, give Him everything right now. The devil's a liar. Your life belongs to God. 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 You might, maybe you say, Pastor, man, I, that was a tough message. But you know what? I want you to want all of God. I want you to say, when I wake up, God, I want you. When I go to work, I want you. When I, when I take my kids out, I want you. When I'm out and about, I want you. When I lay my head down, I want you. At all times, I want you. Why, God? Because this life is misery. Bills are misery, Father. Lord, the needs and the wants of this world are misery. But, Lord, in you is satisfaction. In you is the fullness of joy. Oh, Father, in you, Lord, is the fullness of joy. If God is all you want tonight, just raise your hand and just worship Him right now. Let's commit right now. Begin to commit right now. You know what's been taking your mind? You know what has been taking the place of God? Let it go right now. And just commit yourself to the Lord right now. Just say, yes, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours, God. I'm yours, God. I'm yours, God. I'm yours, God. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood. Come flood this place in the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what art long to be. To be overcome by your presence. 
the glory of your goodness. Say, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Holy Father, we give you thanks tonight. We give you thanks tonight. Father, if you are not Lord over all, you are Lord over nothing. You need to be Lord over all in our lives. You cannot be Lord over some. You need to be Lord over all. Tonight, if you're viewing online, if you're here in person, you say, Lord, I, I want you to be the Lord of my life in all, not in some, in all. You've never given your heart to the Lord. You've never dedicated your life to Jesus. But God is calling you tonight. You don't need to be perfect to give your heart to Him. You just need to be willing, that's all. You need to be willing to give your life to Him. Not perfect. Willing. 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 If that's you tonight, every head bowed and every eye closed, repeat this prayer after me. Believe it in faith as we believe with you. Say, Lord, I come before you. I recognize my frailty, my sin that is always before me. But you died for my sins, past sins, present sins, and future sins. I believe that you died and rose again on the third day. And you are seated at the right hand of the Father. Give me a new life. Give me a new life in you, Jesus. I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord and Savior. I repent. I turn away. And I turn to you. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, you see every heart that's come to know you right now, God. Viewing online and even in person, God. Lord, build them up, Lord. Lord, let grace be present in their walk, God. There is therefore no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lift them up, God. Give them life, new life, God. Give them a new hope, God. New life and new hope, God. I give you thanks for their lives. There's a church ready to receive them here, God. Oh, Father, we give you thanks and honor for what only you can do, God. For you are the Lord of our lives. 
In Jesus' name, amen. If you're viewing online and you say, Pastor, I don't have a Bible, reach out to us. We want to get you one for free. If you're in here and you say you need a Bible, we'll give you one for free. Church, we will see you this Friday night for prayer, this Sunday morning for our celebration. God bless you. Step of faith, church. Yes.